preachers at the church like to say, we ain't gonna take long, but we're going to take our time. We'll talk about all the TV, movies, and music that define our everyday blackness. Welcome to the Black Card Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This your boy, Bird. April D. Yep, Jay West. And I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Black Card Podcast. Um, today, we're pouring up shots of Uncle Nearest, what, 1865, 1856? Don't ask me. <laughs> I don't yep, know. 65. Whatever. But uh, <laughs> we want to take a cheers to the life of Breonna Taylor. Strong. My. Some they don't know, yesterday the decision came down about her case and about the officers that were brought forth on charges. So one officer, Brett Hankinson, was indicted on wanton endangerment of the first degree. Now, I know I'm not the only one that has never heard that before. So let me go ahead and explain to you what the definition of wanton endangerment is. When under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life, wantonly engages in conduct which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. Wantonly, if you ask, because I know you do. <laughs> wantonly means in a deliberate and unprovoked way. Wild thing about this wanton endangerment of the first degree with two one wild thing and the second bullshit thing the wild thing about this is that it isn't even for the shots towards or that entered Breonna Taylor it is for the shots that went into the neighbor's home and the bullshit thing about it is it carries in Kentucky a maximum sentence of five years in prison. We already know that protests are going on. Louisville is turned the fuck up. And I, for one, am like, hey, if you see the flames, don't you stop them. Don't you stop them. I thought it was interesting um, as I was watching some of the news um, as time went on yesterday that they were boarding up shops and things. And I kind of knew when they started doing that, like I was like, this is not going to be good. I had little faith that this was going to be okay, but part of me wanted them to do the right thing, and I was highly disappointed. It's one of those times that I look at it like when I feel like everybody did everything right in the terms of every celebrity, every person bring Breonna Taylor's killers to justice was really just on the forefront everywhere you turned around. NBA, tennis, everybody under the sun was really head over heels about, hey, we need to do something for this situation. And truth be told, like I did honestly feel like it's a hard one to kind of point a finger at you did this. You know, it's not like George Floyd where you we have this clear video, but this is kind of a little different because you know, you know they have, you know, the stories about the wrong house and so do you blame the people at at the top that make the decisions or do you blame the people on the ground that actually shot the shots, whatever. But 
the point still remains that an innocent life was lost by the negligence of others and you can't just say whoops a daisy and go on about your business right one thing that i was sitting at home working today and i was literally in my office like what if the police busted in my house and just started shooting because they thought something had happened like i literally like i put myself in that place and it was just it was heavy because so many times I think people use like, well, if you followed the rules, you wouldn't have got shot. If you did this, you wouldn't have gotten shot. But she was at home in her house or in her apartment. So I really don't have too much that I can say because as a father of three, I don't know how I could respond in a situation like that. It's a very emotional title by itself. It hurts. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, it's not much that. We can kind of say at this point, um, we're all disappointed by the initial outcome. We pray for her and her family. You know, we wish them the most healing that you could receive at this time because, you know, nothing replaces, you know, the life of a loved one. And so, you know, we just prayers for her and her family. But, on you know, kind of switch over to a kind of lighter note, you know, the way that everybody got onto the Brianna Taylor thing on the internet did make me think about how important and influential Twitter is, yes. especially black Twitter, especially black Twitter. Oh, we do our thing. We do. And if you want access to black Twitter, how do you find access to this? <laughs> no, let, let the listeners know. How do you, how do you get that? Nah, like, no lie. <laughs> I ain't going to lie to you. The very first time I heard of black Twitter, I honestly thought Black Twitter was like a separate app or like a code or like a hashtag you had to go to to get to like Black Twitter. The very first time I heard of it, I was like, man, everybody keep talking about this Black Twitter thing. Like, man, what I got to do? Like, does somebody need to refer me? Like, who needs to see my resume to get to Black Twitter? Black Twitter is just us. Like, anytime you talk about something, then it starts becoming like a, a figuring. That's when we actually realize that we are Black Twitter. When you see those retweets, when you see those like pinpoints, and what we talk about rather be music, culture of, uh, I don't know, like movies or anything like that, that's when we start actually having those civil points of being Black Twitter. Man, it, it's, it's funny because when I say we don't take shit seriously, <laughs> so... <laughs> Back in what, 2017? 2017. 2017, Yahoo Finance made a tweet that said, Trump wants a nigger Navy. N-I-G-G-E-R. And, of course, if you look at your keyboard, the B and the N are right beside each other. So, of course, they were trying to say bigger Navy. But when I say <laughs> Twitter did what Twitter had to do for nigger Navy... And created one of the best Twitter moments of the decade. And you know what's funny is, so there's two things I think about. Imagine, because the, the timestamp on that tweet was like 10 o'clock at night. I think it was 10.01. And it was only up for 45 minutes. But I know for me, my phone goes on Do Not Disturb after 10 o'clock. So imagine like you're like, hey, let me drop this news. Let me go do this really quick and I'm going to go to bed. You drop that tweet, one letter. One letter is wrong. Everybody's calling you. You have no idea why. You know whoever works for Yahoo Finance, their phone had to be blowing 
up. And like, you know, they got that email when you come into work that say, come to my office right now. So when I say, I'll never forget, it was one tweet that was like, <laughs> the Marines be like, hoorah. Nigga, they be like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Like the tweets were hilarious. One of them said um, something, and I'm I'm guilty of this one. Is the who all gonna be there? That's what the nigga navy gonna ask about going to war. And there was one. There was another one that said North Korea wants to go to war, and nigga navy gonna be like, all right, bet drop your location, fuck boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So like, what was another like? black twitter moment that you kind of like really remember okay so the funny thing about this is 2020 has been so long that i didn't even realize that this was this year but you remember when we thought we were getting ready to go to war (laughs) with iran so basically a u.s drone strike killed one of iran's top leaders and of course our um our person in charge had ordered this and so there were talks of war and in black Twitter loveliness, we made a whole joke out of it. Um, my favorite personally was the soldier boy tweet, um, <laughs> where he's giving that story, that recap of what happened. Was it somebody broke in his house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he had somebody that broke his house and he had shot back at him. Yeah. I can't do the, I can't do the, uh, impersonation. I'm not gonna mess blah, it up, blah, but yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Draco. Shout out. That was one of my favorites. So it's it's funny, like you said, niggas do not take shit seriously. Like I love that about us. Man, so you know what I remember? Which, which was like grade A when we found out Twenty One Savage was British. Who knew? Nigga, who the fuck knew? I I had no clue. <laughs> no, the funny thing is, I remember my thought process when they like said that he had got picked up by ICE for being British. <laughs> my dumb ass was like, man, he don't look British to me. That's what I thought too. I was like, that he's British. Does black British people? When I think about British pe- black British people, you remember man's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. No, all I can think about is black folks doing that shitty ass rap that oh they do. God. I don't know. I don't know much about it. Alright, I didn't bring this up earlier. But this came across my timeline today and I'm so glad it did. Do you remember when the girl had the newborn baby and she was singing dangerously in love loud as fuck <laughs> It's like she literally, she literally got a baby. Baby might be like a month old, and she had like she going to goddamn sign to deal with babies are us. She just like I am in love with you. <laughs> <laughs> and look, and everybody in the comments like, damn, we need really need to check on this baby hearing because you're really yelling at this. I mean, the stuff that people do with their kids, like that's something that really goes viral on Twitter. Um, when people act like their kids are going to work and they post these these <laughs> captions like, "Mommy, I know you love me, so I'm going to work to you, work for you because I know you're tired today." Like, who, what, what? But the crazy thing is, though, sometimes some of that shit be like, it's a it's a thin line that you have to walk when it comes to like these kids and going viral because you might be on the precipice of making some real deal money because you know what all of us say all the time that came from this little boy 
Don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. This, that splat. Now, whenever I feel fresh, like whenever I'm like, when I feel like I'm draped up and dripped out, like I'm just nice, I'd be like, damn, this, that splat right here. This, that splat. And he done turned it into like, he got like a decent sized following. So it's like, you can monetize this shit if your parents know kind of like what they're doing. If they kind of hip to the shit. You remember, um, what's that damn girl? I don't, I, it's one distinct feature that I can think of, but I don't want to say it because I'm not trying to be rude to this little girl. But do you remember the little girl had the perfect attendance pencil? And she, yes. <laughs> and she was so upset. And Ellen gave her a big old pencil. That poor baby, like. I can't, what's her name? Uh, Gabby or some shit like that? I don't that? remember her name. I just remember, sis was sad about this pencil. That somebody took, and obviously it was hers. Nah, cause she was that perfect attendance pencil, yeah, and cause she was like, "Oh, girl, ain't had perfect attendance." Mm-mm. And look, the way she told that story, I was so locked in. I was like, "You right? That's your pencil. She need to come clean with that pencil." <laughs> cause I'm sitting here thinking, like, if I'm your daddy, and I seen this video, I'm about to low key like go up to that school, be like. Hey, uh, I know it's the second grade, but I need to go. Uh, I need to talk to Madison because uh, Madison got my daughter perfect attendance pencil. But that's the thing about it, though. They actually, I don't know what they did or how Ellen saw that, but the fact that she got that pencil, and I know Ellen's not gonna give you just a pencil. I know there was some money along with it. I don't remember what it was, but she got to get on TV and get her another perfect attendance pencil. I know Ellen was so glad she gave that black girl that pencil because after that. Ella got some shit on her hands to deal with. Like, like at this point in time, they can tell me that Ellen is calling folks nigga in the office. And I'd be like, shit, I might just believe it. They only came out the woodworks and talking bad about Ellen. Really? See, I've been, I must have been out of the loop. I heard some stuff about Ellen, but I haven't been paying attention. But outside of that shit, these debates that they have on Twitter, not just these moments. But the debates that we have nonstop day to day that come up. Have you ever heard the two hundred dollar date debate? Absolutely, it's a reoccurring conversation, and I guess now as a thirty year old, I kind of look at it like eh, that's not really like far fetched. So my question to y'all: well, Break down the two hundred dollar. Okay, date let me break it down for, for the for those. Wait, before you get there, I almost I also want to say I get kind of upset when you tell people you saw something on Twitter and their response is like, "You still on Twitter?" Like, <laughs> like we're too old. Are we I'm too sorry, old? That's funny. You right though. Yeah, that, that's that's <laughs> really funny. Like, no social media is dead. Period. A Bru- voice is a voice. Bro, they act like Twitter was like left in two thousand and twelve or some shit like that. Like. Motherfuckers don't have full out beefs on Twitter and you see it posted on the shade room. Mm. And and that's the thing is literally Instagram isn't that funny because Instagram is literally Twitter from yesterday. Like, <laughs> and so people will send you like the posts and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, we talked about that last week. Like, it's literally like Twitter will talk about it. Instagram will talk about it like the next day or two. And then Facebook like seven days later. Well, yeah. it's even more funny is that half of your memes come from Twitter first. If you really look at half of the pictures and it has its captions, it comes from Twitter first. And then you have those folks who are not on Twitter, they're looking at it like, where does this come from? 
I mean, it, it didn't die. You know what I mean? Like, but it's been that way with Instagram forever, though. Like, you know, you'll see the picture there. You have folks who will grow a picture here and then, you know, deal with Twitter still. So, I mean, it's not your fault that you're late. You're just late. So, this $200 date, though. Go ahead. So, okay. So, basically, the discussion or the conversation that's reoccurring is that people, I think it's either like people can't believe that people are going on $200 dates or is it far-fetched? Is that, is that the, is that the thing? Is that the common theme? Well, they kind of manipulate the $200 date conversation. It's, they kind of feel like it's not a real date if you don't spend at least $200 on the date. Mm. And let me tell you the bullshit about these conversations It'd be a lot of pressure on niggas. <laughs> Shit. I bet. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure on niggas because niggas got to start contabulating this shit and be like, damn, we got to order another drink because we only have 150 <laughs> So, like, have you been on a $200 date before? Man, let me tell you. I'd have had dates that's been astronomical. <laughs> okay. True story. Story time. I'll never forget. I wanted to take this chick to lunch you know we was just out and about had a little time and she was like you know hey um let's go to this restaurant and i was like in my mind i was well in my mind because i we was still on the early stages i was like i was thinking like chick-fil-a or some shit like that but whatever whatever you know we'll go to this restaurant went to this restaurant man what the fuck we do that for I get to the restaurant. We sit down. Middle of the day. On like this random ass Tuesday. She order. Drinks. Appetizer. Meal. Dessert. And I'm just sitting here thinking like. I mean I can cover this. But like bruh. It's only 1130. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, bruh. I, I think my bill at the end if i remember correctly was like in the mid 80s and oh, that's not bad that's not bad no 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 no. See, see see you're a woman you're a woman you're <laughs> a think, woman I... you're a woman <laughs> For keep two in people? mind no, no 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 keep in mind i'm thinking i'm about to go to chick-fil-a okay that's what i wanted to do okay yeah i no 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 i have 85 dollars I, I don't want to spend $85 for us to eat during the middle of the day when we're going to be hungry again at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday. What about you, Jay? All right, so I have been presented basically with a conversation with a female about lunch. And she told me she wanted to go, where is that Cajun restaurant that's over there that is by the hospital. Cajun Steamer. Cajun That's one of my favorite places to go after hours. You spent $200 there? Do you know how quick it is to get it? No, because I've been there plenty of times. You spend money on drinks. Okay. You spend money on the food that is outside of just like the lunch menu. Oh, call me bro. And then there's not only me, there's my child. Oh, okay. So I'm, you know, I'm not a regular living here everyday basis. Mm-hmm. So when I do things for people, it's also to try to do things to fit my schedule and females as well. You know, uh, last time I did that, that was probably about a hundred and fifty dollars. 
And I looked at her and I said, what else comes with this? <laughs> it, it sounds crazy, but true. What, what else comes with this? Like, is there more time? Is there more... You know, I, I need a little bit more for 150 for you just to have a conversation with my child and tell her that it's okay for her to refill her Sprite. There's a difference with certain different men, too, though. Uh, I don't want to spend that much money on things unless I really know you and I know where I'm going with you. All right, April, have you ever, because I've heard this, like I have female friends and they've told me this, have you ever ran the tab up on a nigga? Not purposely, so... um. <laughs> or better yet, example of the mo where you knew, you like, oh, we cashed out tonight. Hold on. Let me ask you, when it does happen, how do you feel afterwards, too? Full? <laughs> what do you mean? So, yeah, so, so yeah break it down. Like, the the one, of, one that sticks out to your expensive date and walk us through your mindset or your selection process and what was kind of going on. Okay, so I am not your typical run up the bill type person. Cause that's just not how I am. Like when I go out on dates, like I'm ordering what I would order if I was paying, I don't do anything extra. I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get the drinks and stuff, but I'm not ordering stuff that I wouldn't order by myself. But, um, I think I actually went on a 200 quote unquote dollar <laughs> date. Um, uh, when I first, it was like the first date with this guy, but it was like, we went to multiple places. So we spent the day together. So it's easy to run up $200 throughout the day. And he reminded me plenty of times that we ran the $200 date. But um, Where'd y'all go? So we started actually in another city. We went to brunch. Wait, this nigga took you from city to city? Well, like, so I was in another city visiting. And so, like, it was like, oh. Can you name the city without it being a problem? Yeah, I was in Birmingham. And um, I was down there. I think it was... Uh, I was down there for Funk Fest. And so the next day we had kind of been conversing for about a week or so. So he was like, Hey, I really want to see you. Think we could go eat tomorrow. So we ended up going to eat, went to this brunch spot. It was cool. We had mimosas, blah, blah, blah. I left with my friends to come back to Huntsville. He was like, Hey, I don't have anything to do today. You want to continue this date? It's like, sure. Why not? So he drove up to Huntsville. We went to Cajun steamer. We went to we went somewhere else for drinks. There was somewhere that was playing live music. There's a spot, um, I can't remember what it's called, but there was a spot playing live music, so we went there. And I will say, it cost $5 to get in. I did pay to get into that for the both of us. <laughs> <laughs> this is a slow clap for the $10. Yes, $10. Can I ask you this, though? Where, where was it? Was it still downtown, though? Um, it was right outside of downtown. Okay. So, so sense. we went there and then to close it, I think we went to the hideaway. And it's not, which it's is not the hideaway, it's actually just hideaway. There's no the is I mean it's just, it's just hideaway, like really? Like it's like you calling it the Twitter. It's it's just it's hideaway. <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me. I've literally been going there and I did not know there was no the. So we went to hideaway. And had wings and drinks. And I ate as if, you know, with no shame. Like, you know how people be saying, like, eat cute? Mm -mm. 
how it was Loki the best spot you've been out of this whole day that you it said? Was. Like, I know a lot of people that have never been to Holloway, but Holloway got like great wings, and it's like it's a ducked off spot, whatever. It's a hood spot too, which I like even more. So, this man came from Birmingham to Huntsville to go on the day. Do you still talk to him? No. <laughs> I don't want to ask, but go ahead. No. I'm going to let you. Nah, I just want to say that I know that nigga wish he got every penny back after that. <laughs> That's why I was like, yo, I'm not going to be the but, bad guy to say that, though. Excuse go me. Ahead, excuse ahead. me. I'm not the reason why we stopped talking. So. Trash, though, real quick. Are $200 dates still a need, though? Is it the price or is it the date? I mean, I don't understand the monetary value because at what point in time is the other person even going to see the check? Because I really don't care. Yeah, I agree. But I just wanted to hear that as an ending. And then we can flow, of course. But I just wondered, because, you know, a lot of folks that say it doesn't matter. But the folks who say it doesn't matter also the people who can't afford it. I've watched So, it. I will say, as a woman, if I really like somebody, the amount of the date does not matter. I've actually had very nice dates at Chick-fil-A. Not a long story, but I had a guy hit me up and he lived in a different city and he said, hey, I want to take you on a date and I want to go to a really nice restaurant. And me being me, because I eat regular places because I'm paying, I'm like, I don't even know where to go. (laughs) (laughs) I had to text my friends like, hey, if somebody asks you they want to go to a nice place, where would y'all go? I think we ended up going to this place called The Purveyor. And I remember like, I don't remember what we ate. We went so late that we didn't eat heavy. So it's not like we spent a lot of money. Now we did drink, but at the end, I thought it was um, funny because he got the check. He did not open the book. He just slid his card in and handed it back and looked at me. And I'm like, sir, I do not care. (laughs) This is the second uh, thing that comes up when it comes to like constant Twitter conversations. The conversation of, would you rather have a million dollars or a dinner with Jay-Z. April. Or we'll say Rihanna. Okay. In this, like, like, no, no, no. The reason we're not going to say Beyonce is because I want to give more of like a, a business standpoint. A business standpoint. Because okay. that's the whole premise. It's like the business standpoint, like put you on game. If you had the option of a million dollars or a dinner with, a business dinner with Rihanna, which one would you take? A million dollars. What? <laughs> like... I mean, I understand the investment. I, I I see what people are saying, but a million dollars. Because after I go have dinner with Rihanna, I'm still broke. Like, <laughs> what? I, I don't understand that conversation. All right, Jay. Would you rather have a million dollars or a business dinner with Jay-Z? A million dollars first, of course. Because, I mean, a million dollars would make Jay-Z available. I mean, he's already made himself available for people who are like six figures in. Why would I? Why would I play with that trigger point? I mean, I don't have to just talk to Jay Z. This is true. Well, y'all know how Bird feels. Now, about how does Bird feel about this? No, we know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you, Bird is on the verge. Of don't give a fuck about Jay Z. <laughs> so now, if you was to throw Champagne Poppy in there, now we got a more of a <laughs> serious like- conversation now. But, okay, so of course I'll choose the million dollars for Jay-Z. But let me ask you this question. Because I talked about this the other day. And this is actually a very interesting conversation. Like, you really kind of have to kind of do some soul searching. April, who is like one of your favorite artists? 
like is it Beyonce? Uh, who's your like? You just fall out stand for it. Either you have to be an artist. Michelle Obama. <laughs> Michelle Obama. That's cool. That's cool. Michelle Obama. Okay. Which one would you take? A million dollars or a weekend with Michelle Obama in which you would have to do activities that equate to a million dollars. So it's like you're not getting the money, but let's say you go out to eat, you go shopping, you go places, but the weekend from Friday to Sunday is going to equate to a million dollars. Oh my gosh. Like that's a great question, Bird. That is a great question. I love Michelle Obama. <laughs> However, <laughs> I mean, it's the experience, so I understand that. So if you get something worth a million dollars, but after that million dollars is spent, I still go home, you know, rich with knowledge, <laughs> but broke. So um, I think I'm still going to stick with my million dollars because honestly, if you watch the Netflix special with Michelle Obama, I'm in it. So <laughs> I've already been with Michelle Obama. So Jay, what about you? So who who's who's that person that like if you um you know who I guess y'all don't fangirl. What y'all fanboy? Fan? I mean I, okay. I, I, I stand, stand. Stand, okay. Uh, nah, I don't stand for nobody. I mean, but it, it you it's still, you gotta fake. Right. I mean, yeah, stand is a little deeper though. Stan is a little deep, but you that, got that's a, a little. But you have you know, a favorite somebody. It still is that J though. You know what I mean. But it's even right. with that J, I mean, I know how you feel about it, but you know how I feel about right. it. Right. With J, I still would pick that money because I will put myself in a position with that money to be able to meet this guy. If I feel that important to meet him, and honestly, I don't have to meet him. I can just like real deal appreciate what he is from a distance and be okay with that. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, I think that when you have that little shockwave of, oh, God, it's Jay-Z. Like, you know, I can't believe I can spend a weekend with him. That ain't taking care of my family. Like, but he can also show me what a million dollars what I can do to take care of my family. I like that part about him. But I kind of would I would rather go to the people that he met to care of him first and then have a conversation with him and say, hey, I'm right there with you. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, Bird. Who who do you fanboy over? I gotta yeah. see this one. All He's right. laughing. That's why I'm just <laughs> like, I can't wait to hear. So just on another character. What's up? Look now, uh, fanboy stand. I mean, I feel like those strong words. Mm-hmm. But fuck both of y'all because let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm with goddamn Carlo Champagne Poppy. And me and Drizzy about to get it in for the next three days. <laughs> this million dollars. When I say this is what we about to do, I already got it set up in my mind. He already got the itinerary. We about to go to the embassy. That's what he called a house. And I'm going to get, <laughs> that's what he called his house, right? So yeah, so I'm going to need like a full over your fit, right? And we're going to have to have like a photo shoot in that bitch. I really want to have it by the pool with the fireworks because he got his own fireworks set up at his house. So I want like a photo shoot. And I, I really kind of want it in the winter time so I can have like the big coat with mm-hmm. the fur around so he might use it on his next album cover. So then after we do that, he got a basketball court in that bitch that he like to have all the artists and, you know, some of the athletes with KD be down there, bitch, Chubbs, you know, uh, Noah can't be there. You know, he don't really hoop like that. But so we going to hoop over on his black top. We going to go, you know, black against the little cream color because that's his colorway. So we going to have that hoop session, right? 
then we're going to go do like the Canadian club scene because I feel like there's not as raw, raw in your face as like Atlanta club scene. I think it will be a little more cooler kind of with hookahs and shit, but like the Gonzalez twins and maybe some other celebrities going to be in that bitch. So we're going to do that shit too. Um, so yeah, I'm spending my three days with champagne poppy for a million dollars. Like I know what, whatever I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna go home with just some pictures and memories, but that's fine with me. I don't mind working for the rest of my life. Oh, I wasn't even going to knock you for it. Actually, I was just going to ask you, what do you think you can learn on the basis of chilling with them? Like, is it a learning experience or is it really just something that you would like to do personally? Cause I feel like you get both. But I feel like you got to, to me, explain, not just me, other people as well, explain why you would feel like he could teach you something and what do you want to actually learn from this guy? All right. Well, honestly, on that situation, it's not even about learning anything. It's literally about life experiences. And the reason I kind of came to this decision is like a while ago when they had What a Time to Be Alive tour, mm. the meeting greets were $1,000, right? And I actually contemplated, like, damn, like $1,000 for a meet and greet with Champagne Poppy with Drizzy. It sounds crazy at this point in time, right? But let me ask you this. If it costs you $1,000 to meet Michael Jackson, does it seem so crazy? His level of greatness, in my opinion, is that of a Michael Jackson status. When he's retired and away from the game, when he's dead and gone, and his legend kind of lives on... He is a, a next level stratosphere that we haven't seen. Or if you take like people like Tupac and Biggie, do you think people would like gladly pay a thousand dollars just to have a picture with them, just to see them? He is that level. So I think it's a certain level that kind of like waters him down or see him a little more as a mortal just because he's still here with us today putting out music. But if you kind of progress your thought process to the next 20 years, it might actually be worth it. Okay. It's just to humble your Drake um, thoughts. I like Drake, but I'll never forget Drake dropped an album and I forgot my headphones at home and I went to work the next day <laughs> and I walked into my office and I was like, dang, I forgot my headphones. And I was like, Drake dropped a new album. My office mate said, who? I'm going to tell you right now, me and April used to work in the same place uh i am not surprised at all that somebody at our old building doesn't know who drake is i've been to drake concert i've been to three of them and man his fan base is vast and diverse when i'm talking about you seeing the upper crest the the arabs that you know they got like mama's got money and Mm -hmm. stuff like that like oil money all the way to the hood niggas that coming up off the block all of them all in the same arena turning up great show number one 10 out of 10 highly recommend but it hurt me though because drake was on degrassi so i was like if you don't know drake for his music like you didn't watch degrassi i don't really think that should count though i mean what i don't think that really should count because i mean you gotta look at these kids that know like the kiki do you love me are you right like my youngest she knows nothing about that. But if you sing that song in front of her, she will just start smirking in a heartbeat. I think he just has something that really matters that is a spark. Like, he is your modern day, I hate to say it, Jay-Z. Like, but I say that in the sense of he has more of a commercialized character, too. Well, we're going to end before I break on 
Champagne Poppy kind of like the greatest alive. And since I got the mic right now, that's what I can say. So uh, you should have said Jay-Z was the best while you was on here. So we're going to take a break and we'll be right back with you. We're back. We're back. Had to take a little pee break, smoke break, drink break. We took another shot while we was gone. But uh, during the break, uh, April was telling me about a conversation she had with one of her coworkers about uh, April. Go ahead and uh, break it down for us. Yeah. So. Um, this is actually somebody that I'm pretty cool with and we debate about stuff all the time at work. So he sent me a screenshot or a picture of Meg the Stallion getting or on the cover of the Time magazine for one of the Time 100 most influential people for 2020. And the message that came along with it basically said that influencing more than just music, um, She's also influencing young kids. And so I don't believe that people, when they become artists or people that are considered influencers, are necessarily people that we should look up to as being the most, um, I don't look to them them as being role models. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went back and forth on that point. The, The gist of it and a lot of the things I saw on social media was like is this your role model now like this is what young girls are supposed to look up to you know and all these other things the the first thing that bothers me is that there's a hundred people on this list and everybody's picking on Meg. well how do you even get on the list time magazine's been doing this i think for almost 20 years now and they have their editors at the magazine and then some other people and also the alumni of the 100 people of the year come together and they decide on the people who are on this list so it's wholeheartedly opinions of the people that put together the magazine there are no well i don't know if there's any kids on the list but i don't believe that people's children are choosing these people i don't think that children (laughs) read time magazine i don't even know if kids know that magazines actually come in hard (laughs) copies anymore but um so they go about and they choose the list and they put it out there's actually i think one spot that is a a voted upon like the people's opinion type thing Meg was one that made the 100 influential people. It's just funny because she's actually one of the few people that I've actually seen covers for because Dwayne Wade and his wife, Gabrielle Union Wade, are also a member of this list. Tyler Perry's a member of this list. Um, Dr. Fossey, Bird's giving me the look about Tyler Perry. (laughs) Yeah, man. You know, I be having my ill feelings about TP, but... This isn't about him. This isn't his time. All right. So this, to me, this is about, this is about Meg and the fact that when a black woman is on the cover or they think is on the cover of the magazine, it's, it's bothersome to people and people have to, people are wanting her to explain or people explain why she would be influential. So one question that I posed on Twitter was, do people think like, what's the difference between being an influencer and then being an inspiration. Because I think there is a difference. I don't look to Meg the Stallion to be the woman that my kids will raise. I mean, that my kids will look up to and be like, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, this is who I want to be when I grow up. Now, if I had kids, Meg the Stallion would be the girl that sings Savage and she's doing a little dances on TikTok. And that's about it. But I just, I get bothered by the fact that it seemed like so many people were upset at Meg being a part of this 100. Good question about the difference between influence and inspiration. And I'm trying to break it down in my mind because I think of it as when 
we talked earlier that being an influencer is almost an actual profession. Yeah. So to be an influencer, like you don't go to influencer school. You don't get an influencer certification. Well, let me pose the question more than speculate. Or how do you decide who an influence in quotation marks is like trying to draw a line in the sand when it comes to influence? Okay. So in my personal opinion, I believe that influence, typically we look at influencers with people with a lot of followers on social media, people who have a large following in general. There's levels to it, honestly, because I think when you think about it, we talked about um, taking a shot of Uncle Nearest. nearest. I, I stutter or I say that slowly because I have a friend that calls it Uncle Ernest and it's stuck in my head. We took a shot of Uncle Nearest. Because we took that shot, if somebody's never heard of this black-owned um, company that provided this alcohol for us, well, they didn't provide it, but, you know, they created it, they might go out and buy it. In that case, we've influenced somebody. I think there's levels of influence. Like, if you guys post something on your social media that nobody's ever seen before, you got some new shoes or you tried a new drink and now everybody wants to try it. But when we get into the whole influencer bag, per se, I think that if you go out and try to do anything um, in the entertainment world, you're going to end up being an influencer. You know, you think about people who want to go pro, play basketball, football, whatever. At the end of the day, whether you want to or not, you're going to be an influencer. You're going to get a large following and people are going to look at what you do and be influenced by it, uh, whether it be positive or negative. Um, Another person that was on that hundred list, Donald Trump. I necessarily wouldn't look at to him as an inspiration, but I do believe he is an influencer. There was, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic and there's a large following of people who did not want to touch a mask because of him. That's influence. You're saying basically that folks have to decipher the difference between an influencer and a person that you idolize. Yes. I forgot what the actual definition of influence is. Need to look that up. Influence. (laughs) (laughs) My God. That's your dictionary voice. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Influence. The capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something or the effect itself. Right. Influence. Mm. With that definition in mind, kind of going back to the original question about drawing a line in the sand of influence, um, because you brought up a great kind of question earlier about influence versus inspiration. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to separate the two or to try to think of like a difference between them. And I guess If I'm going to draw a line in the sand, I would say that influence is when you have an impact on others or something that you're not directly associated with. So, for example, I can be an inspiration to my friends Mm -hmm. because they know me. They see me. An influence is if Joe Blow off the street see something that I do and they want to do it too, not having any kind of past point of reference to pull from. Just, hey, you did that. I think it's cool. I don't know you from a can of paint. I think that is influence. Because I'm just, you brought up influence versus inspiration. I'm really trying to just decipher. 
Yeah, between the two. Because so, I, I feel like that was a good question, and I, I wanted to kind of bring that back up. So listening to you talk, do you have you ever heard of people say, like, you know, they're a bad inspiration for you versus mm. a good inspiration? So, like, inspiration typically is associated with positive things. Like, this person mm-hmm. inspires me to do this. But with influence, yeah. you can have, you know, when you're growing up, you know, your, your little friends are a bad influence on you. I think I just figured it out. Okay. I think I just figured it out. Okay. All right. Scratch everything I just said. No, 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 no. Because because when you say the, the inspiration. We're there. Okay. I believe influence may be a little more direct and concrete. There's no video, so you haven't seen my studio. But in the studio, I have a lot of people around from Mike Tyson, Aaliyah, Outkast, Malcolm X, Biggie, that inspire because they invoke the feeling. And I look at them and I create my own narrative into how I want to move forward in my life. It's not a definition, but influence is a call to action in a defined manner. So outcasts might inspire me to stand up for the South and not be ashamed or not cower down, but an influence would be Hey, I look to Outkast, so that's why I rap. I want to rap like them. I want to make a, another album just as good as a Quimini. I think that may be more influence and not inspiration. Jay, what are you? What are you thinking? You look like you're deep in thought over there. No, <laughs> no, uh, no. I actually took both of what y'all were saying collectively. I think that is a very y'all dots are definitely connecting. So. I think, and and let me know if this is stepping too far, because you're, you're a father. Okay. You have three girls. Yes, ma'am. So when you think of people like Meg the Stallion, when I was looking in the comments, because I went and looked at Time Magazine and they posted all the covers, and a lot of the, the pushback, one was on the women who, quote unquote, started the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And then the other was Meg. And people were saying, like, this is your role model. This is the best we can do as a role model for kids now. When you think of music and people who are artists and people who, because Meg is a rapper, because she is a, an artist, now she has a large following and mm-hmm. has become a, an influence on people. Do you look at her as being somebody that you would consider like a role model? Like, would, how would you feel... I guess explaining the difference or listening to your kids say like, oh, I want to be Meg when I grow up. Everything is a conversation first. Mm-hmm. I don't think my daughters look at anybody as an influence outside of their parents. Okay. And what I feel is that when they listen to certain things, it's for entertainment purposes only. Okay. As a parent, your job is to make sure that your children know the difference between entertainment and, you know, just having fun. Mm-hmm. I do my job 100% and my kids' parents do the same thing. Regardless if we agree on things or not, our job is first, always to see the middle as co-parenting. When I see the things that Megan Thee Stallion does or make songs for entertainment purposes, I'm not looking at her like she's supposed to be raising my kids. That's like the last thing that you're... I can't even put it in words. That just doesn't make sense to even do. When I have my friends even play that type of music, I'm supposed to already have my kids raised to a different kind of level anyway. So when you play that kind of music, they're supposed to be like, okay, I get it, you know, fine. Anybody who does that 
it's funny because like when I think of Meg definitely is an influencer. Like I like her music. I'm a big fan, but I do think that she has aspects of her. She's done a lot outside of just her music. Like she had scholarships going for college students. Um, I think she did like a beach cleanup and things like that. So it's like, she does do stuff outside her music, but the people who are, you know, saying like, this is your role model. I know they don't know about those types of things. But when I look at like influencer versus inspiration, like Meg is an influencer, but like to me, like Michelle Obama is like inspiration. I know we talked about her earlier, but like that's somebody like when I went to go listen to her talk, like I had chills, like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe I'm in the same vicinity. Okay. So do you feel like the music that former first lady has listened to can be perceived what would it be in the type of music that's conceived as ratchet could actually perceive her as a person or her as a professional woman? So when I think about Michelle Obama, let's say her name, and her listening to stuff like Meg and the Beyonce's and all that stuff like that, I don't think that takes away from who she is. It's literally entertainment. Like, think about this type of music you listen to and then think about the movies we watch or shows that we watch on TV. Mm-hmm. Yes, music has a quote unquote, like you might have your ratchet music per se, but then you have movies like the first one that came to mind was Monsters Ball for some reason. <laughs> Most people have seen that. Do we look down at people for watching movies like that? Or, you know, I I don't think that takes away from who she is, but I feel like it is a challenge as a black woman, like having some type of stature, liking what you like in this world. No. Of course, I can't speak as a black woman. (laughs) (laughs) No, you may not. But the question, I kind of feel like there's some relatability to it because we've been in those situations where you pull up to the parking lot at work and you get that boozy blasting or you get that webby, that savage life going hard. You kind of turn it down prematurely because you already know how others will think of you or what assumptions they will make about you just off that small factor alone it's kind of sad because you kind of gotta be like ashamed of in a sense who you are yes no lie when i drive to work i have to go through a gate and when i get close to the gate i turn my music down and i might turn it back up for a little while while i'm driving but when i get to my building turn it back down again because I feel like when I pull up to the parking lot and if one of my coworkers are in the parking lot they may you know hear the music or something like that but it's so funny because you made me think about and I don't want to go too far off subject but I remember being in a meeting at work and we were introducing ourselves and it was like say your name what you do your favorite 80s rock band I'm like what (laughs) and it made me feel uncomfortable because it's like what I like is not normal to them You know, like if I if I was a manager and I told everybody, hey, your name, what you do and your favorite R&B song right now, they'd probably be like, my what? Right. So it's hard to be normal in these spaces as a black woman. It is the norm for these professional atmospheres are defined or sculpted by whiteness. Um, I don't have this fight, but I, I almost want to use the term find it insulting. And I'm kind of like angered when I hear that black women have to go through the hair 
argument or conversation, mm. it really, really like rubs me the wrong way. And it's being a man, kind of hard to fight the fight for somebody else because mm. you kind of don't get put in the situation in which, you know, nobody's going to approach me about hair. Right. I mean, of course, because I'm bald, but, you know, <laughs> but I'm just saying like nobody's going to approach me about, you know, a black woman's hair. I just feel like just the fact that you have to fight that fight, it angers me like internally so much, I guess from, of course, you know, having a black mother. It It, it is. I think so. I, I am a black woman. I am a natural black woman, but I prefer to wear weaves. Um, my preferred style of weave is a unit, <laughs> a crown, whatever you want to call it, a wig. So here's my challenge, right? I might, I have multiple wigs. Monday, I might want to be long. Tuesday, I might want to be short. If I was on an HBCU campus, nobody would think about it. They might say like, okay, wig, that's it. Thanks for the compliment. But when you're in the setting of the workplace as a, as a black woman, if I come in Monday with long hair, Tuesday with short, everybody's confused. Wearing your natural hair at work. Is this professional? Like if my hair is out, like if I have a fro, like is, are people going to think, that I don't look tidy. Also, people act like they've never seen natural hair before and they want to touch it. I've had people actually stick their hand in my hair. I've had people, like, I've pulled my hair back into a, a bun and had somebody actually walk by and grab my bun in the hallway. And my first reaction was to turn around and slap somebody. A black woman, everything in this world that we like, a lot of things that we like aren't normal and it's out of place. But... I want to say this, though. Imagine a world where we weren't the minority, right? Let's say if somebody worked in an HBCU, and if I was white and I went to an HBCU, the norm for what everything is and what everybody likes would be the stuff that we're talking about. So is it, I don't know if it's necessarily like I get mad at the fact that what I like isn't normal more than when I realize I'm just in a a white space and what they like is normal because there's more of them and it seems normal not in normal it seems abnormal abnormal there we go i, I got two degrees too it seems abnormal <laughs> because there's fewer of us that like that we, okay we're going to cut this off because we won't go too strong on the tangent but when you brought up the working at an hbcu thing i think the reason it bothers us is because we know that we will make an allowance for white normality in our black space. Mm -hmm. We will look at that white person and whatever white intricacies that they bring with them and allow them to have that white space because we understand what it's like to be black in white America. So it's just another subculture inside of a culture. Mm -hmm. But we might explore this on another conversation. But let you guys know we have a new segment to the show. I'm excited about this. I think this shit is pretty dope. It's April segment. It's her baby. Take it away. Okay. So this segment that Bird is referring to is called the Black Card Chat Room. The Black Card Chat Room. So what this is, is this is your opportunity as listeners to message us, either DM us or email us and ask us for advice. Ladies, this is for us to get advice. Um, I'm not going to say I'm some licensed therapist. This is just me talking. So if you email me and ask for 
advice. I, um, I'm not necessarily going to be responsible for the, the actions that come out of it, <laughs> but this is an opportunity for you to, to vent and to tell us how you really feel and let us talk about it, um, on the podcast. So each week, either you can send us a DM to our Instagram page, or you can send us an email. So we actually have one topic today um, that we're going to start with. And I really appreciate the fact that we have something and shout out to at PhD Mama P. First of all, shout out to the PhD part, like shout out to you, black women, doctors. We love you. We appreciate you. There seems to be an expectation for black women to be more accommodating than other cultures when it comes to dating. We're expected to stick by our man regardless. If he doesn't have a job but has potential, we're encouraged to stick through it. If he's being distant, we're expected to give him space but still stick around and be loyal. If he ghosts us, he expects you to welcome him and his excuses with open arms. If he cheats on us, we're expected to still hold him down. <sighs> Deep breath. That was on purpose. Don't cut that out. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think, um, honestly, when it comes to this statement, and, and the thing about it is I don't know a lot about other cultures and how they handle dating and, and things like that. Because even though I am from the West Coast and everybody makes the jokes about me being from Seattle, like dating-wise, it's always been Black people. Like I've always dated in that that area in the culture. I'm not exactly sure what it is that makes us feel like we have to accommodate and stick around. I, part of me thinks it's the the story that's told that like once you find a good man, there's not a lot of them out there, so you got to stick by him. Or if you have kids with somebody, you got to make it work because this is you know you know people expect for our marriages to fail or people expect for our relationships to fail. It just seems like settling. And I really, I don't know where I want to go with this because I know for me, I think that I am somebody that in my past I have like accommodated. Like I make excuses for things like, you know, like he doesn't have a job now, but he's working on his degree. So I know he'll have one soon or something might be going on in his life. I think black women have so much grace. Like we've cared for people for so long. It's like we naturally nurture men and then like as women like even with my guy friends now I don't do this but I've noticed a lot of women with their men friends coddle their men friends I say that in an aspect of if I have a guy friend and he's doing other women wrong me personally I'm offended and I'll probably tell you about yourself to your face and there's not really a probably a lot of women don't do that they laugh with them they think it's funny they you know brush it off um, yeah, he's a good friend, but he's not really good as a, you know, as a partner, but it's like, why aren't you having those discussions with people? And so the thing about it though, as I'm talking through this is I also don't want it to be the responsibility of black women again to, to, to yeah. make men better. Like I what the you. heck? It's yeah. like, we, we have so much on our back. And then at the end of the day, we are supposed to settle for all the, for all the crap. So I see Jay, y'all can't see him, but he's like inching toward the mic. I feel like you have something to say. You don't. Y'all don't want to touch this. There's a lot of ways to look at things. I don't want to be the guy to just call out certain things. So I ain't going to lie. I'm going to go ahead and just give my double thumbs to my guy over here. (laughs) And let him actually speak. Because 
Ugh, it's, it's a catch-22 right so there. Bert, so what are your thoughts? Are we supposed to, to just wait and, and accommodate and coddle y'all as y'all Not grow probably. up into, you know, into these men that we that we think that y'all have the potential to be? Mm. Tough question. A little bit of me thinks that this question comes from a position of expectation from the woman's part. Meaning the man is obviously, or he may not even say it. He Sometimes this is a, it takes a little bit of self-actualization to understand that he's not a whole. Because what I've heard in the past from, you know, different people is women don't mind growing together. They'll take you as you are. And we can progress together towards whatever that wholeness is. But it's almost a selfish standpoint from the woman because that's in the woman's idea. That's her ideal way of doing things. Speaking as a man, that may be cool on your part, but that may not be okay with me. Men would like to go into a future relationship or a relationship that has, you know, future aspirations as almost a whole being because you made a statement about kind of like a man kind of having all his shit together shit that might take a little bit longer than what a woman has has in mind the part about that question is it almost makes it seem like the man is wrong for needing that time to make himself whole to where now he can accept another woman in his life in that situation now what i will not make excuse for is the other part in which you said when it comes to the expectation of dealing with this shit when it comes to like cheating and things like that yes that is the expectation for black women and honestly all i can say is like life isn't fair i don't even have there is no reason because you can't you can't make excuses for wrongdoing right even though men cheat, that shit happens, doesn't make it right. Right. So, and I kind of say that for every man that, you know, kind of has a cheating situation. It's like, hey, man, you know, it's kind of like getting caught in tag, man. The jig's up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got, man. Yeah. You, you cheated. Don't. It's not the woman's fault. She don't tell her that she wasn't fulfilling you and all these other things because you're an adult and you can have that conversation. You were selfish. It was a mistake. People make mistakes. It's up to her to if she wants to forgive you. And if she doesn't, she's not wrong for leaving you. But to put the pressure on the woman to, hey, you must stick around to prove you're down or some something like that or some get some kind of merit badge for that is bullshit. You know, and it's not wrong for calling it bullshit. You know, but again i'm not saying that to kick niggas back in because you also have to hear that i'm saying that you have to meet it from a woman you have to meet it with a level of forgiveness also because you're going to make mistakes also you may not cheat but for example all that nagging and shit that women do it may not be as egregious as cheating but think of nagging every day over a time span of, of like a year that doesn't make you any any more right just because you didn't step out you're still a terrible partner. So you need your own forgiveness from him. 
it's not really much to say in the it, it, other than it's not fair. I'm sorry. Well, I'm saying like that, that. That's really why I could not enter it the way she kind of introduced it to me because it's really hard to describe how Ben's head is thinking at that immediate moment. There's a thousand things that go on for every situation and every second and every time that men make decisions. There is no real correct answer for every time a man does make, rather it be something we think is rational or if it's something that could really change and make the dynamics something so bad that you can never fix it again. Coming from a man who has a lot of daughters, I try my best not to make a lot of mistakes, and I try my best to be as honest as I can. But there's no way you can really do it. Even if you think that you got it all understood, you got the game level, there's no way you can really get that done the right way. There's no accuracy. And I think that one thing that I've learned over the years is that women and men operate so differently. Um, one thing a friend and I were talking about the other day was just that decompress session after work, right? So for me to get off work and decompress, I want to call Bay and be like, let me tell you what happened at work today. While some men, that's not decompressing for you. Y'all want to go and do whatever, play video games or whatever it is that y'all do by yourself that doesn't necessarily include talking to somebody else. And just how we look at what I think is what I think is right and what I think is fun or whatever I think is defines, you know, what I want to do isn't necessarily always going to be what the other person wants to do. But the part that we always miss is communication. Like in so many places where like when we were going through that list of like the cheating or the ghosting or the just staying by somebody like communicating through that might help. And I think a lot of the issues that rise in relationships or when you're dating is that people don't know how to communicate to each other. Like they talk past each other. Women, I'm biased, but I think women are really good communicators and men. I wish y'all could see the face that bird just gave me, but I think that men communicate differently. Like y'all say something, but it's not necessarily what you mean. Like y'all have this long combo in your head and then you shorten it and and say it, but it's not what y'all thought you said. Say it bird. All right, so I don't like how y'all just tried to team up. Go, nah, go ahead. Nah, nah, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna give him a different. Well, I'm gonna give a different opinion. That's why I want to hear what you got to say first. All right, so this is the thing about what you said earlier about the communication differences between men and women. My opinion is that women in general do not do when it comes to communication is cultivate an open atmosphere for honesty. Because what men are, are blunt, kind of straightforward, kind of, we, we don't put a lot of, you know, decoration around the words. So if you create a situation in which I might have a feeling or something that I know is going to kind of impact you a negative way, if you don't create a situation in which I can express that with no fear of recourse, it's almost not even the man's fault for suppressing that that level of conversation. He's not technically wrong because what most men are, what we almost end up being an emotional punching bag for the woman. You can open your mouth and let it all fly unfiltered, 
say all kind of shit, even shit you don't mean that you're going to come back and apologize for later. And we're talking about level of expectations. Men are expected to be there, to take it, not lash out, be tough about it. Let's take, let's just create a situation in which you may not be sexually satisfying your man. How does he enter into a conversation with you about that and he knows that you are either going to be upset, overly hurt. You're not going to take it as constructive criticism. He's left with the moment in time where he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to just keep it to myself and hope it get better. I thought I was going to disagree with you. <laughs> like, yo, my bad. I thought I really did was going to disagree with you. I can't do that, but agree. The only thing I will say is that might be slightly different. And this is just me and my opinion. Um, when it comes up to women, and a lot of things that goes on with them. I've always grew up where in my home, you don't bring it back home. You know, you give a minimum of what's going on and then just leave it at that. A lot of women like to discuss things overly boundary where we can't even talk about anything that's going on positive. I've never loved the negativity. You know what I mean? Like I, I tell my daughters all the time, tell me what you did good at school today. And when they tell me everything they did good at school today, they tell me a minimum of what they done that was bad or, you know, what was bad at school. And it's like, let's leave it there. Like, I just feel like women have so much to discuss on negative shit where it's like, you know, it doesn't really help the whole day. I hate to say it in a way of saying that women are negative because I don't think women are. I feel like they have no one to discuss the things that are negative. But when it becomes excessive, then you're making reactions to your home. Like, I can no longer fix my home where I can make your day better and you're mad. Okay. I think, in conclusion, there is no real answer as to why Black women feel the need to accommodate, and I don't want to say settle, but, like, they feel the need to do all these things for Black men. But... Thank you so much to our first entry to the Black Card chat room. That was a great session. I really uh, enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to future stories, vent sessions, questions, whatever. So again, if you want to write into the Black Card chat room, the email is T-H-E-B-L-X-C-K-C-A-R-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. The Black Card podcast at gmail.com also you can hit the dms for the ig t-h-e-b-l-x-c-k-c-a-r-d i'm your boy bird i'm april d j west always and this has been another episode of the black card podcast thank you for listening